1: Remember what you said. you return that I might live in my Father's house.
2: Joy is something that's very deep, very profound, and it's something that affects the whole and entire personality. But folks, really, it all comes down to this there's only one thing that can give you true joy, and that is the contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is our joy. Joy doesn't come to us independent of the person of Jesus Christ. Where
0: does your joy come from? Are you looking for worldly experiences to provide you with happiness? As Pastor Mike shares in today's message, True joy comes only from the Lord. All other joy is fleeting, quick to disappear when the next struggle arises. How do you find this complete joy? You turn to Christ and incorporate Him in your everyday experiences. You open your heart to Him and burden Him with your questions. You rest in His presence and contemplate all the promises He has for you. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, Full and Lasting
1: Joy.
2: One of the reasons why I so love the book of Acts is because there you discover the irrepressible joy that the people of God had in confirmation of the Lord's promises. For example, how many times have we read in the book of Acts where the apostles were dragged before the Sanhedrin, which was the presiding Jewish council of that day, and their lives were threatened? And they were commanded to never again preach in the name of Jesus Christ. The first time that they were taken, their lives were just simply threatened, and then they were warned. But then the second time they were taken, they were beaten. And how did they respond to the threats? How did they respond to their being beaten by the members of the Sanhedrin? Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Acts that they rejoiced. They counted themselves worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. So in spite of an antagonistic world and all of the threats, right? They rejoiced. Still there was this joy that was present within their lives. Now Paul serves up a, another classical example of this. Think about it. Paul wrote many of his epistles from prison. The epistle, the letter to the church at Philippi or, or the book of Philippians was written from prison. At that time when he wrote it, he was a political prisoner of Rome, getting the political runaround. He was facing an unsure future. He didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. And uh, at the whim of the emperor at that time who was Nero, he could have just called for his head being lopped off of his shoulder. And so he really didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. But in spite of that, many of the letters that he wrote while he was in prison facing that unsure future, and he suggests that in many of his writings, really didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. Nevertheless, frequently, often, he addresses the subject of joy, you see. And so anyway, that's just some of the examples. So this joy is what we've been called to. It is our birthright, if you will. And we are failing in our Christian witness unless we are experiencing it and manifesting it. And so, what is this joy that I am speaking of this evening? What does it look like? What does it all mean? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it doesn't look like. As Christian people, we have absolutely no right to be in a state of melancholy or unhappiness because the world is as it is. I know so many Christians are so burdened down with the things that are going on in the world today. We need to see it from a different perspective. They're just opportunities for us to share the gospel. I mean, if you think about it, right? I mean, yes, we live in a crazy world, and we would like it to be a lot better, conducive for our Christianity, but nevertheless, in spite of all of the things that are going on, none of us should be in the state of melancholy. Or unhappiness because the world is as it is. I mean we already know about this world. The Bible clearly addresses it as it is realistically. We know more about this world than anybody else. So ours is a realistic view. So therefore we should have no false hopes, but nevertheless there is always a danger of becoming melancholy Morbid, hopeless, and despairing by the things that are going on around us. Some Christians have fallen into that. And these are the people who will not be experiencing the full joy of the Lord, which is the subject that we're treating this evening. So just be careful about that. Where does this joy come from? Where does this joy lie? What's the reason why Christians can have joy in the midst of all of the things that are going on in this present world now again trying to describe for you what this joy doesn't look like does all of this mean that we have to put up with everything that's going on around us that attitude and unfortunately some christians have this kind of an attitude it's expressed like this well you know what i guess we just have to make the best of it i mean after all it's only a few more years before jesus comes back for us And I know some Christians who live their whole Christian experience exactly like that. Well, this attitude is not compatible with the New Testament concept of what joy really is. I mean, a person who is resigned to unpleasant conditions and limitations is not full of joy. How could they be full of joy, right, when they just perceive things in that way? Again, we need to see those things as just opportunities. That's living a confined life. I, I even go as far as suggesting that's absolutely fear. You know, someone said, you know, would be thinking of all of the things. Well, you know, the enemy's power is so great, and I'm so weak. Hey, listen, if we are afraid of various things that are going on in the world today, how in the world can we be filled With joy. Think about it. So don't allow the things that are going on in your life to cause fear to come in and grip your heart and shut you down. So, with that said, then, what is this joy? Well, let me tell you something. It's a huge subject. I could probably spend weeks, several messages addressing this one particular subject. But let me also say, you don't have to go to a dictionary you know, to find the meaning of joy, because that's not the joy that I'm recommending to you this evening. The joy or the description of joy, the definition of joy that you might find in the Webster's Dictionary is not the joy that I'm referring to. It's not the joy that I'm talking about. You see, this joy that's being recommended to us here, that John wants every believer to experience for themselves, is a quality which belongs to the Christian life in its essence. And in its definition, it must conform to what we have seen in the person of Jesus Christ while he walked upon the earth, when he exercised his public ministry for three and a half years before his crucifixion. I mean, think about it. The world has never seen anyone who knew joy as our Lord knew it. And yet, according to Isaiah in chapter 53 and verse 3, He was the man of many sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. Do you ever feel like that as a Christian? Do you feel like you're the man or the woman of many sorrows just simply because of your commitment to Jesus Christ and acquainted with grief? You know, you would think that you'd get the pat on the back from other people because you've made that decision for Christ. But rather, what you're getting is grief. Have you ever felt like that before? But in spite of that, there was joy, and Jesus Exercised great joy while he walked upon the earth. And so our definition must correspond to his experience, you see, because he revealed true joy. It is certainly not flippancy. That's not the joy that's being recommended to us here. One time, because of things falling into place, or the way things working out the way that we hoped they would work out, and there's a big smile on our face, and then When things aren't working out the way that we hoped they would work out, then we're all bummed out. That's flippant. So I'm not referring to flippancy, nor a sort of brightness, which is a part of some people's personality, or something that's overdone. It's not something which cheaply makes people laugh. Those are all personality things that people have as a part of their personality. It's not lightheartedness or a pleasant emotional feeling. But let me suggest exactly what it really is. It is a state. So if you're looking for a working definition of what we're talking about here, it is a state which is the result of the interactions of various forces and factors playing upon the soul. Now you might think that that's a lofty definition of the word joy, And you might be thinking, Mike, you just lost me. What do you mean by that? Well, here's its elements. First of all, under that heading, it is a state of complete satisfaction. No matter what's going on in your life, things may be falling out from underneath you. Bad news may have just come a-knocking at your door. And nevertheless, there is still this complete satisfaction. You see, think about it. There's no joy unless I am satisfied. If I am dissatisfied in any respect whatsoever, how in the world can we be joyful? So, the first element of this joy is that it is a state of complete satisfaction. And this would include my intellect, my emotions, my desires must be satisfied, and more than that, They must all be satisfied together and at the same time. And, folks, that can be your experience in Christ. That's exactly what Christ wants each and every one of us to experience. I mean, think about it. We refer to God as our Father, Abba, Father. We cry out, Abba, Father, right, which is a term of endearment. And that's exactly who he is. He's our Heavenly Father. And that's who we've become in Christ, sons and daughters of God. And even as my children raising my children, my five kids, and now my five grandkids, praise the Lord, I only want the best for them. And it just, it kills me to see them hurt. And if there is anything that I can do within my capacity and my ability and my power to bring them joy, that's what I wish for them. That's what I desire for them. And so it is with our Heavenly Father as well. So he wants you to experience full satisfaction, this joy. This is just one element of it. Now, granted, there are things that I can do to satisfy my desires, but so many times they're the wrong things. And if I choose to bring those wrong things into my life to fulfill my desires, my mind and my conscience condemn me, right? And you fill in the blank, okay? You could probably think of your own examples as it relates to this particular issue. But if I'm doing the wrong things to bring satisfaction into my life, and whatever that may be, you fill in the blank. I think you know what I'm referring to, right? What happens? My mind and my conscience condemn me because I I know that I've chosen to do the wrong things to bring me those pleasures to bring me satisfaction. It's only for a season, because sin is involved. There may be pleasure for a time, for a season, but folks, at the end, there's no continuous joy. So the satisfaction that is a part of joy is a complete satisfaction. Mind, heart, emotions, and desires. They are all fully satisfied, And full satisfaction is an essential part of joy. So that's the first element of this joy. Now, the second element in joy is the spirit of exultation. Those feelings, the rush of emotions brought on by knowledge. What kind of knowledge are we talking about? Well, simply, I'm rejoicing in what God is doing in my life, in the lives of my brothers and sisters. And there's just this exaltation. I know that God is working. I can see his footprints. I can see his handiwork. I'm not the same person that I once was. How do you explain the things that are going on in our lives, the good things that are going on in our lives, without putting God behind them, right? Doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And, and, it bring, and it, this joy wells up within me because I know that God is with me. That his hand is upon me and so joy is a spirit of exaltation but then the third element of this joy trying to describe it for you is that feeling of power and strength but I want you to think about this if I have joy I'm not afraid of anything I'm not afraid of what's going on in the world I'm not afraid of what's going on at work I'm not afraid of what's going on in my family. They may be concerning to me, but I'm not afraid because I know that God is allowing these things to go on in my life. He has a plan. He's working out his perfect plan and purpose for me. I'm wound up by a mighty dynamic power, and thus I am lifted above myself, and I'm ready to meet every enemy and every challenge that's presented to me. Remember Nehemiah when he was given the task of rebuilding the wall that had broken down in the city of Jerusalem, laid in waste? And then he was given leave by Artaxerxes to go back and rebuild the city and rebuild the wall. And remember, he came up against some pretty fierce opposition. And as, after the wall had actually been completed, he was continuing to encourage the people to continue on in that building occupation. They were uh, they were coming up against a, a pretty massive enemy, very strong enemy. Well, anyway, as Nehemiah g- gathered the people together on that one occasion, it's recorded for us in Nehemiah chapter eight and verse ten. He reminded the people by suggesting, not only suggesting, teaching. It's not well, really not a suggesting, but a truth. He says, "The joy of the Lord is our strength." The joy, and you're familiar with that text of Scripture. You see it printed on plaques that we hang in our homes, in our offices. The joy, in fact, we sing one of our choruses here, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We're constantly reminded of that fact because there's great strength and power found in that joy. Joy, gang, is a strong power. And such, that's just another element of this joy. And so there you have it. Now, someone may be thinking at this point, Well, you know, Pastor, okay, so uh, you've given us the biblical definition of what joy is, what joy looks like, but still, maybe for some of you, it's been an inadequate description. And the reason why you may feel that way is because you simply haven't experienced it for yourself. If you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about. All I know is this, joy is something That is very deep and very profound. And by the way, that's that's one of the reasons why the Bible recommends this joy as unspeakable. You can't explain it. You can't put an English word to it. I mean, things are falling out from underneath the Christian, and yet there's this joy. It's unspeakable. You can't explain it. You've just lost your job, for example. You just got the pink slip. You found out that they're downsizing at your place of employment and you're a low man on the totem pole and so they can just move you out. And yet there's this joy. Put the believer alongside of a non-believer who has just gotten their pink slip as well and the non-believer is freaking out. He's thinking, okay, how am I going to pay my mortgage payment? How am I going to continue to pay my kids tuition in college? And and just the list goes on and on and on. Whereas the Christian just sees that as another opportunity for God to move him along to another position, to provide for him in another way, to show himself strong on their behalf, you see. So all I know is this. Joy is something that's very deep, very profound. And it's something that affects the whole and entire personality. But folks, really... It all comes down to this. There's only one thing that can give you true joy, and that is the contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is our joy. Joy doesn't come to us independent of the person of Jesus Christ. He is our joy. He is our peace, right? So, you know, it would actually be wrong to pray God, bring more joy into my life. God, bring more peace into my life, independent of the person of Jesus Christ. So the more that we appropriate Christ into our lives, you know, as we dig in a little deeper in learning of Him, in experiencing Him, in staying close to Him, thus there's joy. Thus there's peace. Thus there is love. So the contemplation of the Lord Jesus Christ— Because you see, bottom line, he's the one who satisfies my mind, my emotions, my every desire. As Paul puts it in the book of Colossians in chapter 2 in verse 10, in him I am complete. In him I am complete. Colossians chapter 2 in verse 10. So joy, in other words, is the response and the reaction of the soul the knowledge of the Savior and not just a head knowledge. I'm not just talking about a head knowledge I'm talking about an experiential kind of a knowledge of the Savior of Jesus and so that's what we have to do we need to dig in we need to apply ourselves and also notice in our text we're not talking about you know a little taste of joy a little twinkling of joy From time to time, we're going to have joy. No, that's not what is being recommended to us here. Go back to our text in verse 4, and then we'll finish with this. He says, in these things we write to you that your joy may be full. In other words, we are to have it to the limit. In the Greek, that phrase there, may be full, can be translated filled to the full. And that's exactly the way that God wants you to experience this joy. Our joy in this world is to be full in that sense, filled to the full. So, though the world lies in the hands and influence of the wicked one, and though so many perplexing things are true about us and about our circumstances and conditions, our joy is to be filled to the brim. As I mentioned, as is recorded there in verse 4, that your joy may remain full, independent of your circumstances. And gang, this is exactly how to know this joy. This is how we secure it, right? This is how we experience it.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house
0: 1 John 4, 9 reminds us that we can be certain God loves us. How is this possible? We know because he sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. We are given the chance at eternal life with our Creator because Jesus came to the earth to die in our place. His gift of grace is available to you today. Would you like to learn more about how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus? We'd be happy to tell you all about it. Please give us a call at 212-247-1877. You can also find out more about this relationship by visiting our website, harvestnyc.org. Under the resources tab, you'll find some information on how to know God. This will tell you why you need a Savior, why God sent His Son, and how your life can be transformed forever. You're always welcome to connect with us with questions, and we'd love to know if you've made a decision to follow Jesus. Our phone number again is 212-247-1877. We want to meet you, too. If you're going to be in Midtown Manhattan, come join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions at HarvestNYC.org. Or join us virtually. We're streaming each Sunday and Thursday, so everyone has the chance to attend and worship as a community of believers. That website again is HarvestNYC.org. Thanks for tuning in to In My Father's House.
1: i e